Hey everyone, welcome to JoJo's World. Why, greetings, and come into our abode. Nick, you've been going to the greetings well a lot recently. Hey, look, I like to greet people when they come to this podcast. And the best way to say that is by saying the word... Greetings. <laughs> greetings, adventure. Hello, I am greeting you currently. That's why I'm saying the words greeting. Hi, my name is Greetings Hello. And I'm, of course, Liam S. Smith, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Nick Valentine, the other one of the co-hosts. Nick, I'm sorry to open the podcast criticising you right off the bat. That's, <laughs> that's bad energy. <laughs> uh, Liam, I don't know if you've noticed this, but that is just our show. Yes, but normally <laughs> I ease you into it like a hot bath. Like a hot bath? Yeah. No, a hot bath is like you kind of... Dip your toe in and you're like, ha, ah, and it just bites back immediately, doesn't it? Yeah, so you ease yourself into it. No, you have to like wait a bit. And I'm then not just arguing go about all this. In. I'm Liam Smith, one of your co-hosts. <laughs> and I'm again Nick Valentine, one of the co-hosts. This is JoJo's World, our JoJo's Bizarre Adventure recap and discussion podcast, where today we are recapping and discussing episodes 10 and 11 of Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo 2040. Not JoJo's World. Not, I mean, not, uh, well, no, hang on. This is JoJo's World. Do not adjust your dial. <laughs> you have tuned into the right radio station. What if we end up re-listening to our content and then going I like, do. I re-listen to every episode I know, as I edit it. I know, but like we go back to like episode one. It's like, all right, let's listen. Oh, do you remember this? No, I oh. think about it. I, I said some pretty pretentious stuff in episode one. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. How bad do you think it got, though? Do you think you would look them back to it and be like, yeah, I should shoot him? No. Okay. I deserve to live. Okay. I'd probably be like, I should shoot past Nick. But every now and then I get a like on a tweet that someone made a little while ago, which was like, hey, I've just started listening to the podcast. I love how, um, like, you don't get political. Like, I, I love to keep <laughs> politics and anime separate in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. And I'm like, oh, mate, you're in for a rude awakening when you get, like, 20 episodes down the line. Oh, boy. <laughs> you can uh, begin to awaken some political bullshit inside of you. But we're not here to talk about uh, Lib politics. <laughs> or JoJo's World Twitter. Or JoJo's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, we're here to talk about Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo 2040 episode 10, Woke Up With A Monster. Oh, same. <laughs> yeah, like Willem Dafoe every morning, right? We literally, right before this, were talking about Willem Dafoe's enormous penis. His monster hog. His gigantic dong. Gigantic. Gigantic. I am gigantic. Well, I was trying to, like, thread the needle between guy and, like, big. And I was like... His green goblin. His, uh... I was about to say Green Goblin Bomb, but that also doesn't really work. I wish I had the Green Goblin Bombs from the Spider-Man movie that just mm. turn a bunch of guys into cartoon skeletons. <laughs> you mean the ones where it's just like, ha and they all just... Turn into CGI skeletons yeah, and yeah, then yeah, collapse yeah. like cartoons. Yeah. Why do you want that? Why, Why do <laughs> you need funny. that? So, Nick. Yes. Woke up with the monster. Mm-hmm. The 12th studio album mm-hmm. by Cheap Trick. Oh. Of course, you know Cheap Trick as from... the stand from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4, Diamond is Unbreakable, that sits on Rohan Kashibe's shoulder and is like, hey, why don't you just kill yourself? Is that the one that's on his back? Yeah. Yes. The, one, um, of the, one of the good insurance ones. insurance appraiser or whatever comes mm. and doesn't want anyone looking at his back. So Rohan's like, I must look at his back. Yeah. Because after all, he's a curious manga artist who needs to know more about the That's a classic stand, that is. Mm. Classic bit of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Hmm. But why is Wake Up With A Monster the 12th album by Cheap Trick? Well, because they produced 11 albums before that. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Do not list them. Five singles were released from the album. The titular Woke Up With A Monster, You're All I Wanna Do, Girlfriends, Never Ran Out Of Love, and Didn't Know I Had It. Sorry, hang on. 
they had one that's called You're All I Want to Do, yep. then followed by Girlfriends, plural. Yep. Something tells me Cheap Trick weren't good people. <laughs> I don't know if you need to, like, read in, like, consistent moral storytelling between uh, into the songs here, you know? <laughs> into rock and roll classics. I don't know, man. I don't know. So, a bit of information on that titular track. Uh-huh. Speaking to Prime Choice magazine in 1994... Mm-hmm. Okay, I've, I've got to circle back for a sec, because there's... You know, the members of Cheap Trick... We have to dive into the rich, deep lore of Cheap Trick. I mean, we don't, but there's just something I want to draw attention to because it's distracting me as I'm trying to read this quote. Okay. So, um, Cheap Trick, the, uh, the founding members are um, Barney E. Carlos. God damn, okay. Uh, Tom Peterson, Rick Nielsen, and Randy Hogan. Randy Hogan. Yep, and they've had a bit of change since then. Um, but it was just really distracting me when I was reading into their history because it says... Uh, Their Wikipedia page says, In 1967, Rick Nielsen formed the band Fuse with Tom Peterson, and then brackets, later known as Tom Peterson, with two S's. What? (laughs) What? Hang on. I could really use more S's in my name. Yeah, it's just like, you know what? My stage name, it's not cool enough. I want two S's. You know, there's a lot of guys out there who have one father named Peter. Me, I want multiple fathers (laughs) named Peter, so I'm Tom Peters' son. (laughs) Look, back in medieval times, you couldn't have two fathers unless you were this guy. Because I'm, I'm Peterson. Yeah, but what's medieval? Oh, you mean like the restaurant medieval times? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you see, the restaurant medieval times is famously homophobic and they wouldn't recognise you having two fathers named Peter. But if I came in there and I had my two dads named Peter... Let me tell it. We weren't going to get political again, were we? And also, that's not true about medieval times, as far as I am aware. And also, we always get political. Anyway, but I was going to say, yes. speaking to Prime Choice magazine in 1994, Peterson spoke about the song's creation. We get a lot of reaction to it. People just find it irritating. Some people love it. That was one of the songs that that came kind of naturally to us. We thought it was a good groove. We were kind of fucking around with it at soundcheck and stuff. We didn't try to be weird or try to do anything. It was one of the easiest songs that came together. It sort of evolved naturally. Huh, interesting. What was the critical reception on the song? I'm curious. Tom Sinclair of Rolling Stone said the album of the album Most distressing is the paucity of humour, once a cheap trick hallmark. Are we really supposed to wring our hands over the title track's melodramatic portrait of a marriage on the rocks? Ooh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Queen of the Harpies, Queen of the Harpies, <laughs> the famous refrain from Woke Up With A Monster, and that monster, the Queen of the Harpies. From Girlfriends, everyone's favourite line, nevermore. Okay. Yeah. What are you driving at then? Nick? You're driving at the Edgar Allan Poe poem about uh, Leonore and the Raven. Lenore. Lenore and Which the Raven. Which famously features no In- monsters. Yeah, but the only monster is himself. And a raven, a literal raven, which is terrifying. The true birds are scary. Got, we can all agree. They got massive ass beaks. Beaks, wings. You can't trust an animal that has an a ill beak. omen. A beak. Ooh. Why? What? Hang on. What's the ill omen with the beak? <laughs> Sharp. Oh no! No! <laughs> it's just some guy sees like. Wait. You're listening to JoJo's World, a podcast for intellectuals. Such. <laughs> cerebral observations like beaks are scary because they're sharp. Wait, why is it an ill omen? Because it'll peck you. What? I don't want to get pecked. Well, then stay away from the raven. I what can't. is a beak but a dart attached to a creature? 
I'm just I'm just pretending to throw a dart right now. Well, look, Nick, Nick, we're 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 um millennial Australians. We're well familiar with the pro with the Nerf balls. No, which, which um, I'm, I'm just thinking. I mean, maybe Nick is doing elaborate javelin throwing. No, motions. no, no, not a javelin. Don't don't portray me as some Roman inquisitor. Fucking, it's it's a goddamn. Like, you know the Nerf football things that whistle oh, in the yeah, air? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like... Vortex. Yes, I'm thinking about them. No, but I was going to say we're familiar with uh, the the time-worn tradition of being swooped. Oh, God, yes. By a vicious magpie. So I'm thinking... A magpie. Like, if you think about, like, a vortex ball, right? Mm-hmm. And you throw it. It's like you're throwing a swooping bird. It's like you're bird. throwing a beak. Exactly. Nick, we smash cut into the res- resolution of last episode's cliffhanger. Which is just a boomer getting chomped on. Yep. So it pretty efficiently gets chomped on by the big centipede uh, creature we discussed at length last week. Mm. And it's... Big more, mm-hmm. And in a bit of subtle foreshadowing, Nene shoots her useless darts at it and they bounce off ineffectually. <gasps> more on that later. She collapses despondent and because the boomer has been destroyed, Celia orders them to withdraw and uh, Nene stays despondent and Pris picks her up and they all jetpack away. Mm. Oh, the AD police also shoot it ineffectually for a bit. It escapes because it is the villain of this week's episode. <laughs> And we all know it has to come back again. That said, you know, they have there have been episodes where they've resolved a cliffhanger by destroying the creature pretty effortlessly in the first five minutes. Yeah, like literally the next episode, I think, just starts with, oh, it's done. Yeah, it's like a cold open yeah. micro adventure to set up something else though. But like, remember how they did the waitress boomer uh, that turned into like a big mm-hmm. insect thing? It did, did a big cliffhanger and pretty immediately destroyed it. Well, and the rest know. of the episode was about like Lina going to the gym. Oh yeah, true. <laughs> Okay, so we're getting a lot, in these two episodes we're discussing today, we're getting a lot more information on Mason's secret underground exploration project. So he's talking to his corporate stooge, who is exploring the underground for him, Mm -hmm. being like, wow, good thing that we suppressed the media, uh, because this thing's eating boomers and we don't want it to get out, so uh, keep looking for it for me. They're just very on the nose where they're like, good thing we censored the news, Mm. we're not evil. (laughs) And you're like, yes, you're very evil. Like... No so e- basically everyone is just watching this thing eat that boomer being like, this is provoking such feelings in me. Mason is like, yes, ha ha ha, yes. And Cilia is like, no, oh, I'm so scared of this thing and the memories it reawakens in me. Is this a big maybe? It's a big maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as Cilia is walking through the base, Marky and Nigel are working on the hard suit maintenance and Marky's like, Celia, I think you were wrong about Nene. And she's like, I also think that, even though she did nothing of value on the last deployment. But I have to set up the other interpersonal uh, co- subplot for this week's episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As one must do. And for those of you who may have forgotten, of course, uh, last week Celia referred to Nene as dead weight. Ooh. Wait, didn't Pris refer to her as dead weight? No, that was before Pris got to the base. Okay, all right. But this week... Cilia has reversed her position so that she can be put into conflict with Pris over the value mm. of their team member. Mm. She's uh, she's thinking things through and is like, you know what? All humans are of equal value. Because they're not boomers. Because they're not boomers. Except for the ones who are? No, no, that's not what she said. <laughs> okay, and meanwhile, um, yeah, wrapping up, uh, everyone, everyone's having their reactions to the big creature. Leon and Daly are yelling at and being yelled at by their boss. And they're like, Leon, Daly, get out of here. No, it's, it's that thing again where once again, the boss focuses like 95% of his ire at Leon. 
Yeah. And Daly is just in the back of the room being like, I'm also here. I'll chime in every now and then, but Leon's just going to yell at you and you're going to yell back. Leon is like, why the hell can't we investigate the case? It's orders from up top. Besides, it's not even a boomer and your job is to destroy boomers. It ate that boomer. Did you not see it eat the boomer? I don't have to spell it out for you, do I? Well, then who's going to deal with the monster, Leon says. He's just like, you have to spell it out. Oh, and there's a good exchange. Leon's yelling like, the TV networks aren't saying a word about the monster. And the report on the incident was a complete lie. And then the boss shoots back. Has the news ever told the truth about us? <laughs> a depressing, but very relatable feeling. Yep. And Leon gets banned from investigating the incident, even in his free time. So, of course, he immediately goes to investigate the incident in his free time. Mm, a relatable feeling. He also punches the coffee button on the vending machine so hard that it shatters. Still works, though. Yeah, still gives him a nice, delicious cup of joe, which I note is next to the button for hot lemonade. Ah! ah no. Love a nice steaming <laughs> cup of vending machine hot lemonade. <laughs> no. It's like it's like going what to like the, one of those. That's just like I'm just getting like I know it's not what it is, but I'm just getting piss vibes from that. <laughs> it's like you know those Coke vending machines at uni that are like Nick, I haven't been to uni for some oh, time. Like you, you remember like you mean that, like a can just, vending machine? Yeah, like a can or like um they've got the bottles but they're like chilled in the vending machine. <laughs> You're so talking, it's like talking about a pretty standard vending machine. Yeah, I know, here, but I'm just saying like when we were at uni, they were just around, yeah. right? And like they were kind of steaming on the front because it was a little bit cold inside but it's hot outside. Oh, so oh that was a bit of condensation. Exactly. So it's like that but on the wrong side. And yeah. They're like. Wait, so it's like nice and chill. Hot lemonade. Yeah, you put your money in. Let's do some guided visualisation, listener. Take some deep breaths. (gasps) (sighs) I'm asthmatic. (laughs) (laughs) In, out. Visualise the warmth of a cup in your hand. Not unlike a styrofoam cup of coffee you might have gotten from a vending machine it's warm mm, it's warm it's it's very plastic you lift it to your mouth to your to your mouth you don't touch it yet but you can get the scent lemons ah. mm. and you take a sip and it's just like thick steamy lemonade like frothy, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming like american style lemonade um no it's japanese style but lemonade. like you know how like in what they call Lemonade in America is slightly different from what we call it. Is it? Yeah, because like it's not carbonated is my understanding. Oh, I see what you're saying. But it's Japanese-style lemonade. Of course it is. Yeah. But there's people here in this Japan called Brian Mason. So yeah. <laughs> we're seeing some cross-cultural pollination in the distant year of 2040. No, hang on. There's a very Japanese... No, it's all very Japanese. Like, there's Nigel. Nigel Kennedy. There's Brian Mason. Leon McNichol. Because uh, there's no daily? Japanese people in this show, is there? Other than Lena Yamazaki. What if it was? What if the real message was about globalization mm. Mm. and its dangers? <laughs> <laughs> All the boomers. I'm just really hung up on hot lemonade. <laughs> like, okay, surely a bit of like warm lemonade is okay though, right? Like hot lemonade, not so good. Boiling hot. <laughs> Boiling. <laughs> yeah, it's like when you pour out boiling water for your tea. Yeah, it's like lemon tea, maybe. You know. Oh, maybe it is just meant to be le- like, but it's not. It's hot lemonade. Yeah, so it's carbonated and it's like syrupy. <laughs> yeah. God, a hot carbonated <laughs> drink. That's so hard to imagine. Sh- wait, wasn't there? What, what was the? What's the tea kombucha? Don't can't you get that hot? Because it's carbonated. Couldn't tell you. You know what? After this episode, I'm gonna look for a hot carbonated beverage that doesn't suck. 
and then I'm going to bring okay, it. Okay, report e- back. Yeah, I'll bring it next episode. <laughs> and if I have nothing, it nice means bit of that- investigative journalism from JoJo's world. Nick will find hot lemonade. I will find hot lemonade, and I will drink it on this podcast. And so help me if I can't find it, I will make it. Hot lemonade was that uh, groundbreaking Beyonce album, right? Uh, what? Moving on. <laughs> So Leon and Daly are Leon's like, like, Daly, I can't believe you're taking this in such good stride. And Daly's like, We're not going to take it in Hey, good maybe stride. this thing is from the remains of the underground city. <laughs> maybe we should go investigate the underground city. Mm. And Leon crushes his coffee cup, which he just had poured. So it's probably full of coffee. <laughs> yeah, like literally some of it comes out and he's like, yeah. God, you're a good partner. Yeah, let's go bother Nene. <laughs> So Nene's at her desk. She's feeling sad because of her bad night saver performance. Mm. And Lena calls uh, on the video phone and is like, are you feeling okay? And Nene's playing it cool. Like, yeah, I'm fine. What do you mean? And Lena immediately backtracks on trying to have an emotionally engaging conversation with her friend. Being like, oh, you got a, you got a bruise from the encounter, didn't you? Right? Yeah. Anyway, bye. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's like, oh, I'm young. You're old. And Lena's like, well, fuck you. Yeah. Uh, Nene has a little... Weasel. Desk weasel. Yeah. We see a fair bit in this episode. Next episode, we see her at the end of her shift and she puts it in her bag at the end of every shift. Mm. It's the same weasel that we saw a digital version of delivering email in a previous episode. Ah, truly the Nene weasel. The wee Nene. I was trying to listen to their pronunciation in Japanese today. Maybe it's, maybe it's like Nene? Nene. Mm. Nene? Maybe. Nene. I just remember, like, I've just got the dub pronunciation, which was Nene, just seeing yeah. it into my brain. Well, it's like, in English, there's only so far you can take the the Japanese pronunciations of things, right? Because... Because they've got particular characters for particular... Well, no, because Western audiences are Oh, sorry, dumb. I was reversing it, yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 Whereas English is like a morass of different, like, pronunciations for the same letters. Mm. Different cultures all mishmashing together into this weird language that's very precise, but very... The to what I can only assume to Japanese listeners is very amusing. Uh, Japanese suffixes banter continues in these two episodes. So no longer is he called Leon Chan when he approaches. Or what was it last time, Leon? Sama. No, no, it was um some other nonsense. Leon Chan. No, no, it was another nonsense. uh, Oh, Leon. Leon Pion or something like that. Leon Pion. And now he's graduated to Leon Pion. Oh, uh, Leon Pion. And Leon's like, wait, what does the Pion mean? And he's just barely holding together his, like, asking her for help niceness facade. Because he's like, listen, you little fucking piece of shit. I'm here to ask you. Oh, about Pris? And then he's like, oh, no. No, no I would and never. Then, so then Daly stops being all business oriented and spends the rest of the scene being ignored, yelling at Leon, being like, what do you mean about Pris? Who's this Pris? I don't mean anything about Pris. Yeah. Give me the information I need, Nene. Uh, but the long and short of it is um, that they want to ask her for maps of underground uh, access tunnels bec- to look into the other the, investiga- monst- the, the monster. Yeah, the other investigation. It's not to do with us going and doing <laughs> yeah, it Yeah, they, they tell her it's to do with another crime in the exact same area underground. Uh, that they have been banned from investigating. Mm. And of course, not realising that as a night saver, she was also there too. Mm. Meanwhile, Mason's corporate army... Uh, <laughs> Assembles a strike team to go investigate the underground area. There are some scientists, With humans, and boomers. Yeah, there's some scientists. There's some a bunch SWAT of guys. There's a bunch of like stormtroopers. Yeah, stormtroopers there, and he's just like good. And then there's some boomers that look a bit like um, you know, uh, the uh, IGADA. Yeah, that too. I was going to say the Rogue One droid. Yes, Very voiced much. by what's his name? Alan Tudyk. Yeah. Yeah. 
So you know where I'm at. Yeah, I know where you're at, yeah. They look a lot like him. But with like shorter limbs. I said it looks a lot like a Videodrome guy. In I that don't know what that is. The only way they can interact with the world is with a gun. Because at the end of Videodrome, it, like the gun morphs into his hand. And uh, so or can't... like Guns Akimbo starring Daniel Radcliffe, mm. which I haven't seen. I also haven't seen it, but I should because Daniel Radcliffe has some good acting gigs. Yes, we can all agree. Daniel Radcliffe. God, if there's one man I enjoy in this world, it's Daniel Radcliffe. He was Harry Potter, as we Daniel all know. Daniel Cliff. But did you know that he was also Satan? No. Did you know that he in was... What? Uh, I think it's Lucifer is the name of the film. Okay. They literally like put some horns on him. It's like, hey, he's Satan. You're Wait, like, oh. was that the movie Horns where he's turning into like a, a satyr or oh. something? Oh, maybe it was satyr. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Woo. Anyway, there's another one where he's basically a corpse. Yeah. Um. Uh, 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 Swiss, Ar- Swiss Army Man. Swiss Army like Man. That. Where Paul Dano, the new Riddler and the Batman. Ah, uses... opposite <laughs> that guy from The Lighthouse. What? Um, Robert Pattinson. Oh, yeah, Robert Pattinson, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also... Not to be confused with the other guy uh, from The Lighthouse, Willem Dafoe. Of course, who has an enormous penis. Yes. Mm. Of that we can be sure. Mm. He's something of a... Scientist. Well, yes, but I was trying to sub in something else. He's something of a large penis He's something man of a himself. boomer developer himself. Ah. Much like Nigel and Mason and Dr. Stingray. Anyway, point being, they're using this crane to get down the hole. Yes. Now... I have many questions. I have no problem with this and I would I like have... to move on. So, they're what? descending down a crane to go look at the big underground. Which they don't need to descend down because they're going down at like a rope anyway. So why are they using a crane? It's faster. <laughs> just go down a rope. Like the, why? They, the crane is probably longer than rope they have. Yeah, so just go down the... Just slide, just slide. They are. Use drones. I don't know. It's just weird. The drones to... will be eaten by the boomer eating thing. Oh yeah, they would. Besides, what's what? drones? We only have boomers. <laughs> Look, those air boomers. They're like mosquitoes. Yeah. But boomers. Unmanned aerial... Oh yeah, it's UAV. Unmanned aerial Vuma. <laughs> you remember Vuma? I remember Vuma. God, what is a Vuma? It's a boomer. Mm. We covered this a couple of episodes ago. Mm. I feel there might be a difference lined up here. Mr. Mason, what if they encountered the monster? I don't care about the monster. I'm looking for something beyond the monster that eats boomers. You see, the boomers might have been born in the same place as the monster because it's their natural predator. No idea what that means, but okay. He's being very enigmatic and evil. Mm. Meanwhile, yeah, so Pris goes to the silky doll. Uh, She picks out a very feminine looking dress, just anything off the rack. All the other customers laugh cruelly at her. Because she's Pris. Yep. Uh, But she's just getting it as a pretense to go into the change rooms to go into the elevator. Yeah. Uh, She heads in there and is all like... there's a big fish with a pompadour. (laughs) It's literally... Huge lips. It's like... (laughs) This needs to be the image for this episode. I'm having a real hard time finding images from this show, like, Mm. without uploading them myself. But I might have to go to the effort with this fish. Yeah, because let's be real. Massive, beautiful... What a lad. Beautiful, sensuous lips. Long, elegant fins. Uh... Pris walks in and is all like, hey, how much for this dress? So <laughs> Silly's all like, I think that'd look good on you. And she's like, no, I, I, I'm joking. I will never wear a dress. Imagine like being told. It's like, <laughs> Pris just can't yes and anyone. You no, know? it's just like me. Um, it's like you walk in somewhere and you're like, hey, how much for this? And they're like, oh, that looks nice. And then they immediately go, how fucking dare you? I would never wear this shit. So as we mentioned earlier, um, they lay out a bit of a wager here um, because Pris is irritated that Nene's underperformance is putting herself at risk. Mm. Uh, so 
she wants Cilia to stand her down from frontline duty. Mm. Uh, but because Cilia uh, has not abruptly changed her mind about this issue, mm-hmm. uh, they make a wager that if, um, if Nene outperforms Pris on the next mission, Cilia wins, mm-hmm. and Pris will have to do something that she dictates. What More could on that it later. Be? Um, and if uh, Pris wins by outperforming Nene, then uh, Cilia will stand Nene down. That's big odds. Straightforward wager. Yep. Press does a lot of looking over her shoulder. Yep. Celia does a lot of sensuous looking at her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're back to Nene. Yeah, she is visiting Nigel and Marky at Kay's Mechanics. Uh, now, I think we said that, or I said, the motorbike was a metaphor for a relationship. In that when you adjust the, the driving they're belt. They're fixing a motorbike. Yeah, when you adjust the driving belt... The maximum speed increases. Which is what they say about fixing the motorbike. And is a metaphor for relationships. Is it though? Yeah, of course. Of course! Everything is a metaphor. That's a Bojack Horseman line. Oh. Should I feel bad for Bojack? Yes and no. Like, you should feel bad for him, but also you shouldn't excuse him. Mmm. Just in the same way that you should feel bad for me. And excuse all my And you should feel bad for... Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, part six. You shouldn't feel bad for Dio. Shouldn't I? No, Uh, Speedwagon tells us we shouldn't. Oh, okay, alright. Should I feel bad for Nene? Yeah, I mean, she's not doing anything wrong. She's just slightly underperforming at a very dangerous task. But she is also slacking off at her job. Yeah, but her job is the secret police. That's true. As part of the dystopian we, we, we were trying to We were trying to game out this acronym during the watch today. What was it? Uh, all AD police are AD bastards. So it's... A- ad- all AAD. All AD police. All AADPAB. No, no, because it's AADP... All a- AD police yep. are bastards. No, are AD bastards. Oh, so AADPAADB. You've just said my Manchurian candidate activation phrase. <laughs> Must kill the president. Oh no, Liam. Liam, stand down. Stand down. AAD. AAD. <laughs> They'll never say the letters in this exact order. It doesn't mean anything. It only took 30 years, but we did it. A sequence of musical notes or something. Dun, dun, dun. I have to kill Lennon. Here we go. I have to kill John Lennon. <laughs> Wait, but the CCCP doesn't exist anymore. Oh, doesn't it? Wait, the C... Wait, C-C-C-P. Yes. A-B. Well, now you've activated my <laughs> Great. Okay, yeah, so basically, Marky gives Nene some emotional reassurance about her performance. Like, yeah, but you're really good at computers and shit. That's pretty much the entirety of And she's this. like, I'm not that good at computers. Look, I'm going to pull out my... Literal server. My cyberpunk iPad. And act, just incidentally open all of these files marked secret file. Did you notice that? I did. <laughs> and she was like, oh my god, wait, we have to go. Because two people who I love deeply with That's all like my heart. That's like one step down from like naming your porn folder, not porn. Secret file. Wait, how many... Wait, go back one second. How many people do that? Uh, okay, sure. Yeah. What should I be naming my porn folder? Uh... Adult videos. <laughs> <laughs> Legitimate content. Adult literature. Adult. Video format. <laughs> you just name a folder. The Fisherman's Wife, but moving. That was a good one. Come on. That oh, was... I, I see you're driving. At there it took you me go. a second. Yeah. By Hokusai, right? Uh, sure. Why not? What a culture podcast we are. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about famous works of visual art. <laughs> 
Look, it's all historical. It's all very relevant. Um, if if you don't get that bit, just Google uh, The Fisherman's Wife by I Think Hokusai. And let's just say... We, in, we've definitely talked about it on the pod before. You're in for a bloody treat if you're... So, yeah. Yeah. Nene happens to look at the secret files and sees immediately that... Leon and Daly are missing. <gasps> I don't know why we're missing is in the secret files. Um, but they've also checked out two light armoured jackets <gasps> and they've gone underground. <gasps> oh no. Oh. Off screen, the night sabers deploy so they can save Leon, Leon and Daly at a critical juncture. Mm-hmm. But then we come back to Leon and Daly's underground adventures where they're like in. How would you describe these outfits? They've got like orange, like night vision goggles. I want to say it's like Stormtrooper light. Yeah, so um, it's not like the AD police armor we saw when they were trying to trap and kill the night savers. They're not wearing it's VR like one helmets. step down from yeah, that. They're basically wearing goggles rather than visors, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're wearing kind of like just like normal leather. Like, like some metal accents. Yeah, like some jumpsuits yeah. versus like fully they're armored. They're really like stuff. Captain America shit. Yes. Or like early prototype Spider-Man in the Raimi universe, where mm. he's like... <laughs> That's just like some pants sewn together, in it? Yeah. This is a bit more sophisticated than that. Uh, excuse me, he's literally just wearing a shirt there's, and there's some... There's metal pants. there. Oh my god, there is metal. Oh. There's some body armour situation going on here. Alright, fine. Anyway, they immediately find the monster, which immediately uh, incapacitates some boomers with sonic waves from its claws and eats them, and then... Tears through Mason's private security goons who are also down there. Mm. It's a good time. A creature to be feared. And they're like, oh, there's no more map beyond this point. Leon, are you ready to go ahead? Oh, sorry, Daly. And Daly's like, yeah. I sure am. He oh. says, in this situation, I'm going to stick with you, even if we go straight to hell. And that's just like real partner from Disco Elysium vibes. <laughs> Listen. I'm an enabler. <laughs> Listen, I know that I should not be saying this, but... Let's get fucking down to it. <laughs> I should play that game again and actually finish it. It's so good. It's The ending makes me very happy. There's like a bit where... Um, and of course some... we talked about how I felt like I had reached the natural ending of yeah. my playthrough before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like... Y- you know how Kim's like, Jesus Christ, you run around a lot. <laughs> the explanation behind that is like... Mwah. It's just beautiful. Beautiful. Meanwhile, Mason and his computer goon are monitoring the operation. And it's like, oh no, we've lost the signal from our squad. Oh, well, I guess they're all dead, but let's see if it comes back. <gasps> I mean, the night sabers are there. They're exploring underground, being like, there's a beacon on somewhere down here. Let's see if we can track it. It's coming from the 28th area. That's an that's... area of the underground that keeps getting alluded to. That's the area that seems to be relevant oh, to this God. episode. I wonder how many areas there are. Probably like... Nobody fucking... knows how many areas are underground. Well, how many areas are there? That's like asking how many numbers there are. <laughs> There's a Mr. Show sketch that's like 24 is the highest number, right? Oh, is that the one where it's like the mob boss? Yeah, it's like um, just like mafia goons sitting yeah. around shooting the shit in the restaurant, and he's like, like eating. So 24 stuff. is the highest number, and they're like, "Well, what about 25?" And he's like, "Oh my god, are you crazy? <laughs> what the hell is that? That's not a number." Leon and Daly find some sort of like bio hell lab with like all this organic flesh matter over the walls. And also the corpses of Mason's goons. Related? Unlikely. <laughs> this might be the creature's nest. Huh. Be careful. It attacks them. It immediately picks them up in its two claws. And they're like, uh-oh. Well, it's sonic waves don't incapacitate us, but we are kind of fucked. Wait, didn't we see um before this there were like some boomers they saw get eaten? Yeah, I already said that. Oh. 
Oh, okay. No Thanks much. for listening, Nick. Hey, I'm making the podcast. I'm listening to <laughs> um, So it tries to incapacitate them with its like glowy sound waves. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't affect them because they're yeah. human. So they shoot its vulnerable weak point, one of its red eye stalks, and it drops them. <gasps> but then it's immediately going to kill them. Uh, and Leon's going to get crushed by its swipey claws. And Daly's all like, Leon! Leon! No! Uh, but Pris arrives in the nick of time and oh. swoops him out of the way. Of Hooray! It's, of course, it's bloody. The Nightsabers yeah. are Pris. heroes of justice. Pris. Leon's pretty happy they're stealing his kill even. Sorry, pretty unhappy they're stealing his kill even now. Pris saving the goddamn. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, the Leon Pris us fucking. Let me cut away to Nene like karate kicking a door down. Be like, hey ya, hey and, I'm in, and hacking into the mainframe and turning back on the lab power. I like her um series of jack-in cables that come out of the um mm. the knuckles on her hard suit the prehensile cables yeah it's good like come out and like of their own volition snake towards the appropriate appropriate port mm. doesn't how even that- need to use the keyboard which is very big how that works i don't extensive know. keyboard nick what about it it's just a normal keyboard it's like a meter long yeah. And it's like a billion keys on it. Yeah, I've got a gamer keyboard too. <laughs> like what? So many macros. So she activates emergency power and she starts getting uh, diagnostic information about the creature, which appears to, what does that say? Tan, uh, tantasib? Tanta, tantasite? Tantazilla? A living thing, an ingredient, classified percentage, say some of the... Um, Sorry, an ingredient? That's what it says. No. A living being... An ingredient classify percentage. And there's some pie charts with diagnostic sets. And then also down in the bottom right is another pop-out saying, arms genital. <laughs> <laughs> now, if there's ever been a phrase to describe me, it's arms genital. Commander, arm genitals. Wait, did Engage. you... Engage. I'm sorry, did, did you... Did you say... It's also got one out of 50 hit points. <laughs> <laughs> it's got one out of 50 HP energy. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Christ. Hi, I'm Arms Genital. Fuck. <laughs> That's really good. Oh, why'd you have to... That's going to live in my brain rent-free now. Um, because Nene's turned on the power, um, Mason is getting more data again. Just good to note. Just just getting some data. Nene continues to get diagnostic information like the gill. <laughs> the gill. Hi, and welcome to the famous bar, the gill, where your night... You'll be drinking water, if you know what I mean. I don't. Let's move on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Shutting down that bit to keep the episode moving. Yeah, all right. Um, Cilia and Maki are also getting the data, mm-hmm. uh, and Cilia has a shocking realisation, like, the sonic wave affects the formation of boomers? Oh, my God. Prep my hard suit for launch. I've had some horrifying realisation that has me the most upset I've ever looked in this show. Oh, what is it? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, I kind of have a hunch of what she's getting at based on my future knowledge of the show, but it's never explicitly stated why she's like, oh my fucking God. This is, I all know. All I know is that she wants to be there. So I love this I love this little sequence here. So uh, Pris and Lynn are in their hard suits being like, our knuckle bombs don't work on it. Nene, do you have any information? Uh, And like they cut to her to say, wait a second for... Like one shot, and then it comes back, and they're both just grabbed by it. Like, oh no, this has gone so wrong so quickly. <laughs> but then the sonic wave thing happens. Yep, and it incapacitates their hard suits. So they can't move. Oh my god. What are they gonna do? And Press is like, oh, I'm gonna lose the bet. No. And Linda's like, the bet? What? And then we get the inf- we get a flashback with the information on the bet that we've already covered. Mm-hmm. And then out of fucking nowhere, who should emerge but a white suit? Yeah. A oh my beautiful god. glistening ranger. 
of power variety. Yep, we've seen it before. It got there real quick. It's silly as hard suit. But I did I did note this time that it's got like a less compact or like high tech um jetpack than theirs do. Like it has to fold out wings. Mm. I think I think that's a nice little like second generation tech versus first generation thing. Yeah. It's very fun. But of course she has a laser sword and they don't, so who can say who has the better suit? <laughs> But unfortunately... Cilia saves them, but then immediately gets grabbed herself. And she's like, oh no! And then gets Sonic waved. And has like some sort of trauma flashback or brain aneurysm. We do get like, it, like her face gets like Jojo's inverted colours. Yep. Or horror inverted colours. Then we see some reaction in her physical organic brain. And then it just comes out then, of that. And then she's like dreaming of being a child on a calm beach. The water goes up a little Lapping too high. Lapping at her ankles and yep. then she stands up and she looks away from the beach and then we see a huge tidal wave looming over behind her and then looming behind her is the sinister silhouette of her father. <gasps> so, metaphor. Such metaphor. symbolism. <laughs> um, she comes out of her trauma kind of coma thing. Yeah, just in time to see Nene win. Nene's all like, oh my god, I've identified the weak spot of the monster. She it's- says, hey, open your mouth. And it does. And then she shoots into the mouth, into its brain. Yeah, we get a quick cutaway to her seeing, having seen the, um... The diagnostic... The diagnostic that just says, a vital point, the brain. Now, you rightly pointed out that that is, in almost all animals, a vital and weak point. But, you know, looking at this creature, you wouldn't necessarily know where it is, I suppose. Mm, It could be all the way in the leg. Mm. Mm. That's how it gets you. Oh, yeah. So she shoots her darts through its mouth, into its brain, and they come out the other side. There's some good darts. Same. Uh, and it dies. Hooray! Leon and Dahlia are like, oh my god, the night sabers took our kill. Those okay. bastards. Yeah. And um, Mason Stooge is like, we definitely found the Bioscape Lab. They worked in boomer development, Ooh. but we didn't find the thing you're looking for. <gasps> B. Oh my god. Anyway, so this creature was an experiment on biotechnology based on an ancient life form from the Cambrian period. Now, as a fan of the... As a fan of time. (laughs) As a fan of the famous metal band, The Ocean, otherwise known as The Ocean Collective, since apparently they never have any actual members stay with them for more than, like, an album. I'll take your word for it. Except for one guy, I guess. Um, They have an album called Cambrian. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, is Cambrian the one where everything was molten lava? Let me see. Or was it the one where everything was ocean? JoJo's World Science Facts. Hit me with it. The Cambrian period lasted 53.4 million years. Casual. From the end of the preceding Ediacaran period mm-hmm. um, to the beginning of the Ordovician period, which was 485.4 million years ago. Nice. The period was established as the Cambrian series by Adam Sedgwick, who named it after Cambria, the Latin name for Sirumu, or Wales. Possibly that's Kirumu, I don't really know my Welsh uh, pronunciation. <laughs> hmm. Probably because Cambria. Yeah, possibly. Mm. Uh, where, where Britain's Cambrian rocks are best exposed. Huh. 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 Let's see. The Cambrian is unique in its unusually high proportion of lagostat sedimentary deposits. Sites of exceptional preservation where soft parts of organisms are preserved as well as their more resistant shells. As a result, our understanding of the Cambrian biology surpasses that of some later periods. It does look very oceany from this map here. It looks exceptionally oceany. Of course, the Earth is very oceany in general, right? Yeah, but like, look how much ocean there is there. Like, you wouldn't be like, yeah, land. You'd be like, damn, that's a lot of ocean. 
You know? The Earth was generally cold. Um, cold? Supercontinent. Panosia. Was in, was in the process. No, Panosia. Oh. Was in the process of breaking up early in the Cambrian. Oh, interesting. Lack of sea ice, blah, blah, blah. Because mm. it was all ocean. Mm. 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 Dating the Cambrian. Well, if you want to date the Cambrian, first you have to build up some rep and bring it some trilobites as Look, a gift. You gotta wait for it at maybe a few million years to get ready, and then bam, you're all the way in that ocean world resort. I don't know where this is we going. We don't have any land plant fossils from that period. Oh. So we don't have any f- land plants. So no flora? Yeah. Oh. But maybe some sea flora. Ooh. You know, when I go uh, when I go snorkeling, I'm looking for some sea flora. This podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyway, moving on. Now you know all about the Cambrian period. I'd recommend the ocean. I'd recommend not. So Pris lost the bet, so she has to wear the pink dress, and everyone's taking a photo of her in it, and they're all laughing, and Nanny's like, no, you have to go smile more, and runs over and grabs her face. Uh, and like for- forcibly contorts it into like a Joker-esque grin uh, and and she's smiling and it's a lovely photo. Hooray! We hear her be like, ah, 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 why? But then- Is that your- um... That's my best impression of Joaquin Phoenix in- Oh, okay. I was Joker. guessing um, Jared Leto as the Joker. No, I mean, it's in his like, ah, 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 Like ah, a crow. Yeah, which is just terrible. Second episode, Shia Heart Attack. Of course, named after the little tank guy from Killer Queen's right hand. Or is it left hand? I don't care. No one knows. Chases you around and blows you up and says, hey, over here. He's like a video game boss. Of course, we all remember that Shia Heart Attack is uh, a Queen song. Mm -hmm. We remember that from Jojo's World and we don't really need to delve back into it. Is that the one... Oh, no, I'm thinking Killer Queen. Never mind. With, like, the piano bit at the start. Yeah, that's yeah. Killer Queen. Yeah. Famously. That was sheer heart attack. We talked about this on the JoJo's World episodes covering the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure episode, Sheer Heart Attack. Mm. So, Nick, why don't you go back and listen to that? Nick, why don't you fuck off <laughs> and enjoy our own content on JoJo's Let's World? keep it moving. We have a cold open boomer battle here as a sex robot, we think, Turns into a Tetsuo from Akira, but made of metal. So it's like half. So it's human. It's like there's like human esque flesh just like draped over its metal endoskeleton, mm. which is like s- split out through the mouth and eyes, and then there's just like a huge killer butt. Yeah, and it's got a giant robot arm, and this dude is like. Damn, damn it. it! He says, "Damn, my business equipment just went crazy." This guy, like, this guy rules. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you hired a sex worker and it turned into a big Akira esque um boy, would you be like, "Damn, my business equipment"? I don't think he hired a sex worker. I think he had one built for. Purpose. It's a boomer. I think he probably owns it. I know, but like, if you, well, no, next time that my computer at work has some trouble, I'm gonna go. Damn, my business equipment just went crazy. <laughs> next time your credit card, or if like... I, my stapler jams. Yeah. <laughs> next time your credit card gets rejected, you'd be like, damn, my business equipment just went crazy. <laughs> As if I could have a business credit card. I have a business. Well, I don't know if it's a credit card. <laughs> There's a boomer incident and Lena is sad because her scooter is crapping out on her again. She still has the same crappy scooter from episode two uh, and she's not going to get there in time to fight the boomer. Oh no, but she has one purpose in this world. Uh, uh, Pris and Nene engage without her. We get like a pre- a, a cut abruptly back to the scene of Nene just having ripped its heart out and it collapses. 
and they leave, but we do see Mason's stooge within the otherwise applauding crowd. Ooh. Mm. Lena arrives in a nick of time being like, oh. Oh yeah, and she's on the site, not in her hard suit, just being like, those sure are the night savers. Wish I had been there. I'm definitely not one of them, you can tell, because they're here and I'm not. She, Wait, and she watches as they They're here and I also am here. Huh. Ergo, I'm not one of them. Because if I was one of them, I would be there in, in the suit with them. I would like mm. to call this a Wayneian slip. Yeah, or a uh, Parker, Peter Parker situation. Yeah, where you're just like, see, I'm Peter Parker, that's Spider-Man over there. Mm-hmm. Oh, but are you the same person? No, see, he's over there. Mm. Well, I can't really make him out that well. No, it is. And they have a quick, like, call back to last week's Nano underachieving plot where after she rips out its heart, she's like, see, Pris, I can do a good job. Just like this time. You'd think she would say just like last time, but she yeah. says just like this time. Would <laughs> no. This time when I did a good job, it's just like this time. Yeah, you know how it is. You and gotta... she, she press responds, how long do you intend to stand there? I'm going. In one sentence. And jetpacks away. And then it's like, wait for me. Meanwhile, at Nigel's Mechanics. Which is called K's. Yep, because we learned his last name is Kennedy. It's not Kennedy. It's not? No. What is it? Kingston? Kingford? Nigel Kingford? We'll find out when we get there. Oh god, take your bets, ladies and gentlemen. Twelve. It's twelve to one on Kingford. Kingford? Isn't it Kingford? Couldn't Nigel? be Kingford. Nigel King something? Nigel Kingford? What if it's just Nigel King? It's not Nigel King. Get out of here with that shit. Nigel Knightford? Who knows? Anyway. There's, a, there's some conversation about how Nigel uses parts manufactured by Ganim in his motorcycle repairs. <gasps> Chris disapproves, but Mucky's like, hey, you know, it's just parts and Ganim make good parts. And they make boomers. There are certainly, sorry, he says, they are certainly more precise than other makers. <laughs> okay. Yep. All right. Weird phrasing. And then Lena comes by to get her scooter repaired and she and Pris sunbathe on the roof for a bit. In the worst possible sunbathing. I mean, there's sun. There is sun. They are kind of bathing, but like, there's no, like, what equipment would ever live up there, right? So they talk a bit about how Nana's performance has improved and how uh, Pris needs to chill. Sure, yeah. Uh, And how um, uh, Pris... Expresses some slight vulnerability, being like, I feel like I'm being left behind by the two of you. Uh, you have your regular job. And Lena's like, oh, you care about me. She's like, no. Anyway, so then Lena reveals she has to leave. Why are you looking at me like that? Just the concept of like anyone being like, oh, you care about me. And then going, no, I would never care about you. It's like, just. She's closed off. She's aloof. I know. But just be like. But occasionally. I'm leaving now. Occasionally, some small bit of team mindedness or friendship sneaks through. Like when she shared that delicious sandwich. Not going to lie. I'm also quite aloof. And the concept of sharing a sandwich with someone makes me very angry. So Lena has to return home to her parents' side, uh, house in the countryside for this episode. Can you just uh, tell Celia for me, Pris? Can you do that? <laughs> she doesn't. She never does. And then we get some space hook action. Yeah, we see the space hook dropping off um, maybe a passenger pod or a picking up a cargo thing. It's not exactly clear, yeah. but it looks pretty cool. Some weird thing. And uh, we see shots of boomers working on the Shoham project in space. It seems to be built out of an asteroid. Ooh, very cool. Now, unless we forget, there's high incidence of boomers getting space madness. <gasps> Humans would also go mad in space. That's true. Mm, very important plot point. <laughs> Uh, and who should be watching the space boomers at work and saying, I simply love to watch boomers at work? Why, it's our favourite boy, Alan! Yep, Quincy Rosenkreutz. Oh, God. 
probably I simply love to watch boomers at work is probably the boomer line of the week. Wait, but doesn't he say something immediately after that? It's like, I love to watch boomers at work, except I hate boomers or something like no. that. I can't remember. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, there's so many lines of dialogue like that in this oh, series. Oh God, there's so many boomer lines. Uh, and once again, Mason's there to check in about the Shoham project. The umbrella's going to be completed on schedule, but there's a problem on the terrestrial side. Quote, it's the dragon that stores the energy sent from the umbrella. We're going to hear a lot about this dragon. Yeah. Construction of the underground stream is behind schedule, so hmm. it's going to be delayed. And I'm unclear whether there is actually a delay here, or if Mason is... Playing the game. So that, um, like... He can delaying underground it. construction so that he can keep fucking around underground looking for the bioscape lab or whatever. Mm. Well, I thought by underground they meant on the asteroid. No, no, it's um, ter- the terrestrial site is the problem. Oh, I see. Because he's like, there's a problem on this side. And he's like, no, 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 it's on Earth. Yeah. Da-da-da-da. So the umbrella is in space, which sends the... The energy. Down the skyhook yep. to the dragon. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> Just calling, like, your... Essential bit of infrastructure, the dragon. It's real, real good guy vibes. Yeah, I don't know. It seems very. Um, this, I could be entirely embarrassing myself here, and this could be some sort of like long-running traditional technical name for like immense solar batteries or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like how um on my other podcast we watched an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah, where, where this is like my previous other podcast too, um, where. The UK's emergency response unit Cobra appeared. Yeah. And I was like, so I was surprised the emergency response unit Cobra appeared in an episode and wasn't overtly villainous mm. because I was like, surely it can't actually be called that. And why would it have such a sinister name? But it is just called that <laughs> in real life. Wow. <laughs> is it like an old. I have no idea. They just called themselves Cobra. Yeah. With, like, capital letters, too, I think. Cobra's because Hiss Hiss. Yeah, like the villains from G.I. Joe. Yeah, and the villains from Dodgeball. Yep, and the villains from The Karate Kid. And the villains from uh, The Desert. Oh, you mean the little creatures? No, no, I mean literally The Desert. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, Cobras. Yeah, but, like, The Desert. Cobras, the villains of The Desert. Biologists are always saying it. <laughs> Anyway, so they talk a bit about delays in the Shoham project, and then... Um, we get our weekly, do you know why I like being immortal? Yeah, Mason? so, well, Mace, um, Alan stops talking about how much he fucking loves boomers for one minute to talk about how he wants to be the god of the new world. You see, the Shoham project is a drastic solution to energy and resource shortages, and Genom will control it. And do you know why I live like this without any organ transplants? Hooked up to my fucking golden throne here. Go on. It's so that I can keep myself alive using machines. The oh. machines live on energy. Ah. You see, I bought all the boomers created by Dr. Stingray. Because mm. I think of them as a new form of humanity. Mm. Yes. Oh, sorry. I thought of them as friends of humanity. I was wrong. They are friends of mankind. I can't be one of them. But the Shohan umbrella that the boomers are constructing will create unlimited power. And because of that power... I'll become one with the system that controls this planet because the machines that keep me alive run on power and I will control the machines and the power and also be kept alive by it. Mm. So this whole time Mason's just standing there looking sinister. Yep. And we I get mean, shots he, of he him. He can't look any other way. Those cheekbones, <laughs> those brows. That's true. It's his, uh, his essence is just bad. We man. see a slightly younger Mason talking to Cilia in a flashback in this episode. And it's just like, oh, you know, it's like 20 years ago. You looked like 80% as evil. <laughs> 
He just had that little little nook to get he over. He wasn't quite so washed out and pallid at the time. Oh, he was. Uh, not not as much, I would say. Absolutely. Well, we'll see when we was. get up to the pictures yeah. then, I guess. Yeah. Mason, I'm going to become the system of this planet, Earth. What does that mean? What the fuck does <laughs> By that becoming mean? the system, I will guide humanity and boomers in the true path. What, what system? Forever. What does it mean? Unlimited power, etc., etc. Okay. So, God. Yeah. I'll become God of Earth. There's a flashback of a child that I can only assume is Mason. Maybe? Or Alan? Nah. But it's, so, it's like when the earthquake Or maybe happened. it's just a child post-earthquake being yeah. like, Mama. Yeah. It might very well be Mason. No, because Mason was working in the Bioscape lab pre-earthquake, so it couldn't be him, unless it's an earlier earthquake. Multiple earthquakes? In Japan? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Mason leaves, his stooge is there. <laughs> they say, the boomer crushes haven't made it there yet. And the stooge is like, oh, if the night sabers heard, heard that, they'd cry. Anyway, I heard the chairman's losing his interest in the in the underground shit. Why don't you leave it to the AD police? No. Mason's like, shut the fuck up. Get out of here. Lena returns home. She took the high-speed rail and got there at five past nine. Or five past three. Or, hang on. Yeah, she got there at five past three. She's, I she's... misread an analog watch. Well, it's, it's either upside down or right side up and there's no way of knowing. I mean, you'd think she would put it on so she could read it without having to mentally invert it, right? Yeah, but it could be like... 3.05. It is. Is it? Oh, so it is. <laughs> or it could be midday. It's impossible to tell. Cilia is in her computer aquarium talking about how she is like intimidated by the Shoham project and thinks it's stupid. Mm. And she's talking to Mason's corporate stooge. <gasps> the very same You can guy. tell because he looks basically the same and has the same barely done up tie. Mm. He's like a guy who will... He's a guy who will basically quiet quit. Shut up. Don't, don't say that phrase on my podcast. <laughs> That's bullshit and you know it. I, I read an article that was like, people are quiet quitting, but it might come back to haunt you. And I was like, people, what? People are fulfilling their job obligations. What the fuck are you talking fuck about? Fuck off. But they're not just using... So while the dragon construction has stopped, they're doing something else. <gasps> using outside Ganem scientists to do <gasps> something. Human labor. And Silly is like, Brian Mason. And we're all like, Brian? Brian Mason. Flashback to Dr. Stingray working on the Boomer Corps. And Lil Cilia is there talk, being talked to by Brian, Brian Mason, Mason. Who I still think is not quite as washed out. He's still pretty washed out. Oh, he's so, it's only the filter that's making him less washed out. See, he's still so white. So, so angular. So, like, evil. And he's patting her on the head being like, Dr. Stingray is doing important work. A good girl doesn't bother her dad while he's working, right? This is my nice talking to children voice. I guess you're right. Why don't I just stay here? It's like, that's a good girl. <laughs> Look, I'm laughing with children. <laughs> the innocence of youth. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like all his life Mason has uh, misread social cues has misread people crying as people laughing yeah it's like see we're having a good time aren't we <laughs> just a man who can't help being sinister in all contexts <laughs> uh, Lena returns home to like her traditional Japanese family countryside home with the paper walls mm. um, um, she Takes off her shoes, puts on some sandals. There's a big family dinner going on. And everyone roasts her about not being pretty enough, even though, like, the guy who's doing it is, like, a fucking corpse monster. And they're all like, lol, never gonna get a husband at that, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
And then uh, she's and like, it's just like awkward, like country, small country family versus girl who's gone to the big city and come home. To escape from the torment of yep. her life. And then after everyone's gone home, she's talking with her mum about like, she's doing well in the city, but now that she's back here, her parents have arranged a date for her. Oh, oh. we knew with there was a boy. reason. Oh no, not like this. Of all the possible ways this could end, this <sighs> is not the way I wanted it to go down. What did you want it to go down? I wanted there to be a boomer in the house. Oh my, the house boomer has gone insane. Exactly. Um, so then we get a cut to Mason being like, all right, look. Yeah, he's watching the footage of the Nightsabers destroying the cold open boomer because mm. it turns out that was like a staged incident so that they could arrive and be filmed destroying it for yep. analytical purposes. Yep. Uh, and he's analysing the suit that Nana's wearing being like, I wonder if this suit is an inheritance from Dr. Stingray. Show me the staff list of, quote, the Wiz Lab. The Wiz Lab? Yeah. What? Oh, God. And we see a bunch, there's like a 4x4 or 4x5 grid of people's faces. And uh, he basically goes, okay, now show me who has been confirmed, not or has not been confirmed dead yet. And like all but five people's faces vanish. And it's like, oh my god, how many people died? So there's um, one guy with like a cool scar over his one eye and a huge moustache. Uh, John Howard looking motherfucker, young Nigel, um, Some sad, sad boy. Sad big nose man, mm-hmm. guy with goatee, uh, another moustache, bold man, and then random, I don't know. But no young Mason. No young Mason. I guess he filtered himself out. Oh, because he's confirmed himself dead. Yeah. Unless. Any pale boys on the previous screen? Yeah, just looking at the full roster, full character select screen. I'm assuming this is meant to be like a quick sketch of Cilia's dad, but it looks like uh, it's a guy with like just hair over all of his face, like a, a punk teen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's just a guy who's like, you wouldn't understand. You know, uh, there's only two women on the entire Wiz Labs team. That's why I think we need quotas in tech. Ooh, ooh, yikes. And they both died. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Now, when we were testing the boomer cores, who do you think went into the radioactive chamber? Forks. You take Forks in so that he can absorb the radiation with his super mutant body. Uh, what? End of Fallout 3. Oh, right, yeah. And then it's like, hey, I'm still alive and no one's hurt. Unfortunately, it was a sad day in yeah. the wasteland. So for those of you who don't know, like pre this getting patched, you had to either send in one of your... Companion. To die from the radiation or do it yourself. But if you brought one of the two companions, two or three companions you could get who were immune to radiation, they would just be like, no, it is instead your destiny. You can't do the smart thing that makes sense. Look, I won't die. That's why you have to go in and die. Someone's gonna die. Look, if you're not dying, what's the point of the narrative? It's like, because I'm, I'm making the narrative. There's a really weird fucking scene here where... Mason is talking to his secretary Boomer. Mm-hmm. The about, Golem. Yeah, sure. Who he makes out with. Yeah, the Golem. Uh, about Just about her... the same way Samwise makes out with Golem. Yeah. yeah. Talking to her about his, her prototype model mm-hmm. and about how Dr. Stingray didn't want to create androids capable of independence. And he walks over to her and starts like sketching Hebrew characters on her yeah. forehead. Which I guess is like a Golem thing. Is Or like maybe Because it's... they have like Hebrew words in them to command them do they yeah that's like the thing of the golem is it Mm. what you want me to look this up yeah i do because this is fascinating to me wait i'm meant to be dumb the i didn't realize a golem was a hebrew thing i thought it was like um 
a, I thought, a Dungeons and Dragons thing. Well, no, but I thought it was like it a has Western... been kind of appropriated into a general fantasy construct. Yeah. And like I thought it was um, in the same like... way that a um, phylactery is a Hebrew thing. Oh, there you go. No, I figured that a golem was like Gaelic or something because you know they have a lot of rocks in Ireland and Scotland and, and sure. Britain Golems and stuff. are of course usually made of clay. Oh, they got clay in Scotland. <laughs> Oh, I made you really, just while I'm looking this up, I'm going to get you off on this rant. Mm. I made you really angry during the episode when we were talking about um, boomers being modern day golems, which is, of course, what this episode is, what this sequence is implying. When I said, rocks is metal. Oh, don't, don't, no, don't, no. Metal is rocks, I think I said. Ah. It's not the same, Liam. It's not the same. There's a reason we have two words for things. (laughs) You found an interesting anecdote, I imagine, on golems. No, I was laughing at what you said. Oh. Okay, so in some tales, a golem is inscribed with Hebrew words, mm-hmm. such as the word emet, or truth, written on its forehead. Ooh. So that's like what Mason is yeah. doing right here. Yeah. Um, Literally, when he like writes out this little Hebrew thing, the boomer is like, emet, the Hebrew word for truth. Yeah. And then I think it was like meth. The golem could be deactivated by removing the um, uh, the word Allah. Oh, sorry, removing the first um, letter in uh, emet, mm-hmm. uh, thus changing the inscription from truth to death which so is meth versus meth mm. yeah which i'm Based sure we're pronouncing very well. wikipedia uh <laughs> concept of, of hebrew <laughs> <laughs> the wikipedia concept of hebrew comes from the citation system okay. i'm amazed that this is like a hebrew thing this yeah i, thought, I thought that was common knowledge amongst nerds well there you go <laughs> I honestly always thought it was like Ireland and Scotland folktale. There'd be like a golem that just appeared. It was like, cave. And you're like, ooh, better not go to the cave. Nope. Wow. So one famous golem narrative, um, which I was tangentially familiar with, but didn't really know any details was, hmm. it's the tale of the golem of Prague. Okay. Um, so in this, this tale or narrative involves um, a rabbi in Prague creating a golem out of clay from the banks of uh, the ooh, Vltava River, V-L-T-A-V-A. Oh, the Vltava. And brought it to life through rituals and Hebrew incantations to defend the Prague ghetto from anti-Semitic attacks. Ah. The golem was called Joseph and was known as Yosel. <gasps> it was said that he could make himself invisible and summon spirits from the dead. I fucking hate Yoselles. Shut up. <laughs> the rabbi deactivated the golem on Friday evenings by removing the Shem before the Sabbath so as to let it rest on the Sabbath. Hmm. Interesting. So the golem could have a little sleep. Yeah, as a treat. Hmm. Okay. One Friday evening, he forgot to remove the sham and feared that the golem would desecrate the, the Sabbath. A different story tells of a golem that fell in love and when rejected became the violent monster seen in most accounts. Some versions have the golem eventually going on a murderous rampage. The rabbi then managed to pull the sham from his mouth and immobilise him in front of the synagogue, whereupon the golem fell in pieces. Mm. Hooray! Seems like a pretty interesting narrative. Wait, so the whole story is... There's in... more to it, but I'm not going to get into all these details. He made a golem. The golem probably wasn't the best thing. No, the golem was a good thing. It defended the... Yeah, 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 but then it was bad. Well, only because he mismanaged his programming. Oh. You can't blame the golem. It's an important tale on the use of debuggers. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> cool, golems. I can and just... boomers equals golems. Yep. So boomers are like, we made you. How do we control you in Mason's eyes or something? But it's a really, it's a weird oh, okay. scene. Having looked at, um, having looked up, up that um, stuff, yes. it provides additional context, in, contextual information to this exchange because mm-hmm. obviously he's inscribing these Hebrew words on the 
Boomer's forehead as a mm-hmm. uh, reference to the golem. Mm-hmm. But then he says, uh, with reference to the letter that made the difference between um, death and truth, mm-hmm. activation versus deactivation, yeah. uh, the owner of this funny Tower of Babel, referring to Alan, yeah. lost this letter. He thinks you're his friends. Oh. He believes that only faithful golems will worship him. That makes sense. And then he kisses the boomer. There's all like love to kiss the golem. You're my golem now. <laughs> Making a golem out of the Blarney Stone so that it can only be set to truth. What the hell is the Blarney Stone? That's an Irish, I think, folklore rock that okay. you kiss, and it gives you either the gift of the gab or makes you have to speak truth or something like that. Oh, was there a fucking uh... on Blarney Castle or whatever? Was there an episode of like probably the the um. Was it, was Grim like... Adventures of Billy and Mandy. No, no, no. It was like a... Willing, William's Wish Wellington. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> um, it was Oscar like... and Friends. It might have been something like that. It was like some kid's cartoon show where it was like Sir Arthur, or like King Arthur, but he was young. Oh, yeah, that rings a vague bell. It was like a kid Arthur, and people were going up to this rock and being like, I want to be cool. Kiss the rock, and then nothing really happened. Kiss the rock, quiz boy. <laughs> <laughs> he kisses the boomer, and is then like... I will make the essential boomer awaken. So that still doesn't make sense. That's the reason I was born a human being. For boomers. Mm. And he says, you understand me, don't me? Don't you? And the boomer's like, nope. Mm. I knew you don't understand. You're just a golem. Oh no. Is this like a Radiohead song? You don't Speak know. on that. It's like, <laughs> you don't understand. Dun, 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 dun. You're just a golem. Dun, 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 dun. It's like creep, but golem. I'm glad you're having fun with this. Yeah, I hate Radiohead, so this is good. Uh, Lena's on her date. Her dad needles her about what not wearing a kimono to it. Mm-hmm. But she's like, no, my hairstyle's not right for it. She uh, is annoyed by this date, but she's doing it to make her mum happy. Uh, but then the boy comes in with his family and oh no, he's hot. <gasps> he's got good hair. She, she blushes, even though she is... I think definitely more interested in women than in men in this show <laughs> on account of how she is obsessed with Pris. Well, from a professional point of view. Uh, I feel like it gets, goes beyond that in later episodes, to oh, be honest. Okay, all right, all right. We haven't gotten to there yet, so let's just, you know. So they take a walk in the garden. This scene is punctuated by frequent noises of the Japanese garden ornament slash deer scare thing. That's a... Um, a bonk. A, a pipe of bamboo with water flowing through it. The bonk pipe. Yep. The bonk pipe. They go bonk when it goes down. Lena Yamazaki in the Oriental Garden. Oriental Garden? What's fucking wrong with me? Uh, in the <laughs> traditional Japanese garden with the bonk pipe, murdered Mr. Masaki. Hello, welcome to the Oriental Garden. May I take your orders? Orders. Who heard me? It's me, a boomer. All right, running long. Let's keep moving. Okay. Uh, so, like, they have a long conversation about, like, oh, such old-fashioned ideas, these arranged dates. No, uh, but it's not that But bad, we both it? like Tokyo, but I came back here to work with my parents' business. Blah, blah, blah. He's hot. But it's... I appreciate that you went to Tokyo after you stood up for yourself. You know, if you've got to do something like that, you've got to do something like that. And she's all like, yeah, I think I found the thing that I need to do. Yeah. Now, now see... I was saying when we were watching, it's like, oh, it should be multi-layered, but we are just talking about one thing yeah. right now, which is, you found what you want to do? Yeah, night sabers. So they both agree, like, hey, let's let's see if we can become friends. There's a bit of blushing. Meanwhile, Nene is clocking off, but as she's about to clock off, 
Leon and Daly ambush her and give her an anime floppy disk to analyse of the um, her killing that boomer at the start of the episode. Mm. And she's like, wait, but why were they already filming when the boomer attacked? <gasps> A setup. Someone was waiting for us to destroy it? Mm. Why would they want to do that? Uh, there's some good like, comedy facial expressions in this sequence, but we, we don't really have time to dwell on them because we're running long. Yeah, Leon Pion is yeah, a bit uh, more of that. Pond. Yeah. Getting Leon, Leon Pone. Leon P- Pwned? Pwned? Yep. How did you... How do we... Doesn't matter. (laughs) Then a huge Metal Gear boomer attacks. It's a mobile bipedal weapons unit. Literally, it's a Metal Gear. It's a fucking fucking Sahelanthropus. Yeah. It's like got rockets on its back. It's shooting fucking missile or like it's got a minigun on its arm. It's just shooting into homes. Pris is getting dispatched to go fight it, but Nene can't leave the office. So she tries calling Lena to get her to help. But Lena's on a date! In the countryside! She can't possibly get there on the high speed train. Oh my train. god, what's Pris gonna do? So literally, that's like, at the end of the episode, right? Literally, this guy is there being like, wow, we're having a nice time. She's like, yeah, and then gets a call. It's like, I can't fucking come. There's a guy here with me. It's like, where are you? Not in the didn't, city! Didn't Pris tell you? No, of course not. Damn it, Pris, why are you so aloof? Oh dear. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Nick, what are our highlights and lowlights for these episodes? I want to say my highlight is literally witnessing the guy enter into the room and then being like, oh no, he's attractive. <laughs> oh no, I have to, I have to, oh, I got to be chill. Oh God, I need him. And that was it. Great. That, that's my highlight. My highlight, it's finally very satisfying to see Nene su- successfully fight a boomer. Do that one thing. Yeah. Mm. Low light. Low light. Marky is in help, the show. Helping Nigel <laughs> with motorbikes and shit. And me like, here you go. I'm so happy. And it's like, all right, p- pull it back. Pull it back a bit. Okay, come on. No one's that. Look, Nigel's not that enthusiastic. You don't have to be that enthusiastic. <laughs> Just chill, dude. Like, you're allowed to hang out with him. Yeah. You, you live with him now, if I recall correctly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, my low light. Um, Pick a good one. I feel like the dress bet is a bit naff in this day and age. Mm. I mean, even back then it was probably like, Oh, like, not traditionally feminine character is being forced to wear her dress. Ha ha ha. So uncomfortable for her. So funny. Yeah. Like, it's, like, not a problem, but it's just, it's a bit played out. We've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It was probably a friend's app at some point. Probably, yeah. All right. We're fine. So, Nick. What? Pris has to fight the Metal Gear. Same. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Nene is stuck at work after hours. Ugh. Good God, no. Lena's on a date with a boy in the countryside. Do they not understand what we're here for? And Mason is getting closer to finding mysterious boomer stuff underground. Strange things. What will happen in the next episode of Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo 2040, uh, entitled Made in Japan. Huh. There's so many directions it could go from that title, but here's what I reckon. Mason will, uh, cause, cause right now he's basically trying to get into this underground place at all costs. Yep. Even his career. Oh my God. Um, but how will he get the big promotion? <laughs> what's the big promotion? New Alan? Get in the chair. Ooh. Just Alan's just like, tell me, do you want to feel a mortal Do you kid? want to sit in the big boy seat, Mason? Mason, single, like, sweat drop going down his face. No, I'm, I'm good. It's like. Are you sure? Another sweat drop. Uh, um, um, so Mason's trying to get underground. Yep. He's probably going to use his influence to send uh, some more dudes down there. Yep. This time, 
with the specific goal of excavating the bioscape lab, the, the bioscape, the biodome. Yeah, the biodome. Uh, and inside there will be the original like experiments. Proto-boomer. Yeah, the experiments of like half man, half human things. Half man, half human. You heard it here first, folks. Yep. Right? Uh, half boomer, <laughs> half human. There we go. Okay. And, uh, and like, what's the what's the deal with them? How were they created? So Celia's weird, right? Celia's got something going on. Celia's, her brain did that thing. Yeah, she, she reacted. Her dad thing. asked her to help with his research in that really sinister manner. Yeah. She so, just has to go to sleep for a little while. So maybe the real Celia died. Ah, and this is a boomer Celia? And this is some new weird Celia who mm-hmm. hates boomers but is a boomer. Ah. Thus the ultimate contradiction of herself. And how were they going to kill this Metal Gear? Uh... I would say, well, what if the AD police actually do it for them? Whoa. But, like, come on. <laughs> the AD police haven't Leon done Leon needs a win. <laughs> Leon needs something here. Otherwise, they literally haven't done anything. Well, they did some stuff um, in the uh, Ghost Boomer Cuck episode. The Ghost Boomer Cuck. Remember Leon and Daly did all that investigation? Ghost Boomer Cuck. Oh, yeah. But they didn't actually take down the boomer. No, no. They just found it and were like, oh my god, there's a boomer there. And they got some action in the um, underground centipede monster. Not very effectual action. No, but they're like, in, they're like an investigative part of the story. That's you know? true, that's true. They're the proxy for us. Sure, yeah. We, we suck, we're idiots. <laughs> uh, so then I'd say... Oh, oh god, I'm the Leon of us, aren't I? Yeah, because I'm daily. Yeah, fuck, of course you're daily. Yeah, my life is great. <laughs> I've got a great shotgun. No wife, no kids. No girlfriend? I'm always yelling at you. And I'm like, hey, it's you know what water we can... off a duck's back. Yeah, you know what we can do? Liam. It even sounds yeah, similar. Yeah, it sure does. Yikes. Um, so Alright. So the they're they're probably just gonna be like, oh, this boom is out of control, we need to go do something. The nightsabers probably won't save the day for this one. Interesting. I wanna say Who will save Pris then? Well, Leon, obviously. Oh. In the same way that Pris has saved Leon, Leon was Reversal of fortune. Exactly. Well, Nick, I'm pretty sure that won't happen, but we'll oh. find out next time on Bubblegum Crisis Tokyo 2040. Uh, of course, we are careening ever closer to the return of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, part six, Stone Ocean. Can't come so soon I enough. I think most likely we'll be doing one or two more pod eps of Bubblegum Crisis, which I think should take us to a nice sort of elegant stopping point a, a point in the story where there's sort of a major shift in status quo that i think would be a good cliffhanger to leave on okay all right um and we will then do some stone ocean then probably polish off bubblegum crisis once we're done with that and then who knows what we'll do we'll figure it out and you'll love it we know you will. yeah but until then to, to be, be continued, continued.